1: Story Podcast, and this is Kettle Whistle Radio. They play music almost as good as my music box. It's also fairly dark in here. You're not afraid of the dark, but you should be.
0: (laughs) You want to see something really scary? You bet. Music, horror, art,
1: politics, and overall badassery. Welcome to Kettle, whistle, whistle, Radio, For Real, on Society 13 Networks. and <laughs> now your hosts, David Fairhead
2: and Heather Teddy. Hope you're all enjoying the sun, lots of sun, good for you, I don't bring you vitamin E, never will. Shows for the night crawlers, the folks that like to come out at night, and uh, feel free to listen in the daytime. That's fine, but it's here for for you whenever you want it. Uh, Tonight I have it is a special show, of course. Um, I've got Johnny Daggers on, and a little bit talking horror, like we always do. And um, I put him on the spot a little bit with, uh, well, yeah, I'm gonna put him on the spot with some movies that are. Happening now, we'll just say uh, within the past three years, because he doesn't keep up on his film because he's too busy working, which is very admirable. Okay, and that's Johnny Daggers of Dagger Vision Films. Definitely check him out and listen to him. He'll be on a little bit. Extensive interview on his Blood on the Real project. Also, coming up, I've got some music from Crossbreed. Uh, these guys, I'm not sure where they're from. All he knows is the story, the backstory is that uh, the band Kitty, back in the early 2000s, saw them live and said that they kicked their asses live. They're a live band, and they're no longer around. I, I've recently contacted them, and uh, they're really good to me, good guys. And um, we'll play some music by them. They were around in the 2001 is when their first album, I have to sit in here, Synthetic Division, came out. They had another one soon after that. And uh, all their music was really kind of cool, and it's all about the stage presence. Look up their videos on YouTube. They're interesting, if anything, to say the least. Uh, that's Crossbreed. All right and uh we'll be hearing a song shortly titled tbnot uh it stands for something i'm sure maybe it's to be not i don't know they won't tell me even though i asked them but johnny daggers coming up and we got horror for you what can i tell you schedule whistle radio
1: Fall of Tomorrow is a tale of desperation told by those who are striving to salvage some hope against a ravenous bastion of evil bent on ruling our world. Burning Bull Publishing presents The Fall of Tomorrow by David J. Fairhead, available May 1st at Amazon.com and at BurningBullPublishing.com
2: welcome to kettle whistle radio friends fiends and folks glad to have you with us and um back again here is mr johnny daggers you're, hello. There. you're out there sir
0: yes i am hello david and the listeners
2: yes 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 and there's been more of them lately it's been cool itunes has been good to us um you know what it's been okay when's the last time i had you on was that uh I had you on briefly, we played a little snippet about your, uh, I talked about what you're doing mm-hmm. not too long ago, but prior to that was, uh, was that Brittany Bordella?
0: Yeah, when I was uh, in the Brittany Bordella band playing keyboard, that was probably about a year ago.
2: Okay, but now so- Already. something else has come up, and I- it caught my attention, uh, I happened to be on Facebook, and there was Gore Magazine.
0: Gore and Magazine, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw that, and I, saw- I was oh wow, okay, and I looked, and I said, oh okay, blood on the reel, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess things are coming together. We're going to have to tell people yeah. what this is all about once again. Yeah. So, Blood on the reel. what's going on?
0: Uh, we are nearing halfway uh, during the production process, maybe a little over halfway now. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, we have uh, 11 or 12 uh, segments done and in the can.
2: That's great. Last time I talked to you, it was an idea, so now you're gathering.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of footage that's been shot and in the can, Um, I've been doing some traveling with it, I've met some great filmmakers uh, that are shooting, they're um, shooting creek pictures, I don't know if anybody out there is familiar uh, with the film House of Good and Evil, but uh, they're great people, they're shooting not that far from where I'm located currently. And um, they're doing a a TV show called Hillbilly Horror Show. Um, So I went up to Joppa, Maryland, uh, just hung out with those guys on set. And uh, we did our thing. And, you know, they joined Blood on the Real. And uh, we've had segments completed from uh, Glenn Coburn, Bloodsuckers from Outer Space director. (laughs) um, David Blythe, New Zealand's first director. filmmaker. Yes, we, uh, we have about his him. segment right. done and in the can, so yeah, things are going really well.
2: Real quick, uh, if, just to tell the people that aren't aware of this, because I always get some new people listening that are like, what, what the hell are they talking about now? Mm-hmm. They, they think I'm an idiot. They're like, hey, dude, you talk about these obscure things. But they're not always so obscure, you just don't know about them. Um, so <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Blood on the Real real quick here. Give me an idea. Give the people an idea what they're looking forward to.
0: Uh, Blood on the Real is a documentary, the first documentary as a matter of fact, in which it focuses on independent filmmaking and uh, the filmmakers who put uh, everything they have on the line to present their films to the public. Um, Essentially, that's it in a nutshell. I I don't know I could elaborate if you want me to about how I um, kind of had the idea for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Uh, Well... Next year will mark the five-year anniversary of Dagger Vision Films, mm-hmm. and you know the one thing when you're when you're an independent filmmaker, a lot of a lot of independent film production companies don't even last a year. They fall apart before their first feature film is completed, mm-hmm. just due to monetary issues, internal turmoil, uh, you name it. Things will just fall apart, and people that uh, aspire to to make a film now. You know, they find themselves without uh, without a film, without a cast or crew. Uh, so, it, you know, it's really difficult. And I, I'm fortunate enough. I always said that if I was... Because I never intended to be a filmmaker. You know, I was a musician. And um, filmmaking kind of just fell into my lap uh, after I made my first short film, Samhain Night Feast, which I didn't do as a production company. It was something I did for me and my friends. And things just, you know spun out of control from there, and here I am almost five years later in the world of filmmaking still. Which and I always there? said that if I had made it that long, at the five-year mark, I would like to have something really special to release uh, for the Dagger Vision fans. And uh, a few months back, I went into a, a really bad bout of depression, because um, over the four years thus far, I've had a lot of success and accolades with Sam May Night Feast, Caustic Zombies was kind of a warm success. It started off really great, had a lot of momentum, uh, was successful in its own right, but then had a lot of post production problems, so it had never officially been released as of yet. I just have the official bootleg, but the director's cut still to this day has not yet been released just due to uh, some post production problems. And then, you know, after that, uh, made another successful film, Tablet of Tales, and after that, had another film. Uh, Moan Arm Car kind of fall apart due to lack of budget. And so, you know, it, it kind of hit me a few months ago when I thought back that, wow, we're going to be approaching 2015 much more quickly than I had anticipated. And I don't have anything in the works to show for it. Um, I had actually taken a, a break from filmmaking and focused on uh, my alternative modeling career for a while and and actually just worked for other people. You know, I, I had the pleasure of being on the A&E TV show, Those Who Kill, did two episodes of that, and that was kind of okay. You know, I thought, wow, I could get used to showing up on somebody else's set and getting a paycheck and going back home and not worrying about the headaches uh, of everything else involved when, when you're the production company. Uh, but when you're an artist, that doesn't sit well for too long. Mm -hmm. because you get antsy and you need to create you need to you you need to make art um so i started thinking with the five-year anniversary upon us i thought well you know we almost got arrested filming sam Hain night feast
2: right right that's a good story too
0: yeah yeah we were filming three o'clock in the morning without permits disturbing the peace because we were racing up the road in my 81 caddy doing this chase scene and you know cops pull us over and you know, we have a filmmaker with uh, our camera lady with her ass hanging out the window, literally like trying to shoot in at the front seat while we're driving up the road 80 mile an hour. And then I almost got shot filming Cossack Zombies you know, by a military officer because we decided that traveling, because the for those that don't know, the premise of Cossack Zombies is based off of the near nuclear catastrophe of Three Mile Island. Mm-hmm. And Three Mile Island was probably three and a half to four hours away from where we were filming and somebody had mentioned to me well you know if you go to a power plant that's 20 minutes away from you homer city power plant looks almost identical no no one would be the wiser that you didn't film at three right. island so right. you know at, at that time being a guerrilla filmmaking production company uh, we're a lot we changed ways a little bit to we had to to be a little bit more professional nowadays but back then you know it was just like great Let's jump in the car. So myself, my cameraman, and my production manager all jumped in the car, didn't call ahead, didn't ask for permission, just drove out to Homer City Power Plant, unloaded our gear, and uh, walked onto government property. a power plant at that and just started rolling film and the next thing you know we have a military officer driving you know this jeep comes flying up over the hill with an officer and his gun drawn on us and he wanted to know what we were doing there and (laughs) obviously in post nine eleven era that's you know you can't really just walk on the government property a power plant you know and uh start filming you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble so i thought these stories might be great things to share uh, yeah. as a five-year anniversary, but how am I going to share these? I, I've already done a special edition of Samhain Night Feast. Um, yeah, Cost Zombies is kind of just a bootleg. A podcast
2: but, isn't really the way to do it. This is more visual, you know, it's something that you can...
0: Yeah, you know, I wanted to... Well, I started thinking if, you know, I have a lot of friends in the filmmaking world, and I know that they've gone through similar experiences. Uh, so why don't I just see who, you know... I had a list of people in mind, and then that list snowballed by people uh, such as Tim Gross. Yep, of course. Uh, pointed me in the direction of uh, a lot of people that he knew. And the next thing you know, um, you know, we had 30-plus people on the list You know that were interested in being a part of the film. And we kind of we- weaned that down a bit just because you have to. And uh, a cast of over 30-plus people, you're going to be looking at, you know... Four or right. five hour documentary, which would be unbearable to sit through. But you know, we've we've got it down to uh, the right amount of people that we need to get the job done, who have quite interesting and similar stories to share with with everyone.
2: And a lot of these folks you have worked with before, or are there some? Uh,
0: good question, David. No, as a matter of fact, that's because even cooler. The, yeah, I'm glad you asked that actually, because the film does focus on filmmakers from all over the world.
2: You know what? That was one of my questions. Are we doing, doing national internet? I didn't know where these people were coming from. Yeah, it's
0: all international. Um, I mean, we have everyone from, uh, we have uh, David Blythe, who, as I mentioned, was New Zealand's first uh, horror film director. He came along before Peter Jackson. Um, We have uh, Manda Manuel from Canada. Um, We have the very... talented and lovely actress Manoush, uh, who's from Germany, Sweden, like she's kind of traveled all over and lived over in Europe her whole entire life, and uh, I mean, we just have a conglomerate of filmmakers from all over the world. We have uh, another, we have a New Zealand film critic, uh, Pete Ellott, uh, who's been a film critic for, I think, 25 plus years now, all in the underground scene, very well-respected uh, film reviewer. Um, and then you know we have people back in my hometown of Pittsburgh. We have uh, Mikey Maggot and uh, you know Tim Gross mm. of Gross Movie Reviews and bass and Boomsticks. So uh, yeah, there's a whole conglomerate of people that. So it's not we're not just seeing uh, aside from a local standpoint and we're not even seeing aside from just a national standpoint uh, we're going to get a feel from what it's like for filmmakers from all over the world uh, because how it is in the US might be a little bit different making an independent film in, in Europe mm-hmm. or in New Zealand uh, depending on laws and you know <laughs> uh, all those <laughs> <laughs> yeah all those things that we don't really pay attention to
2: yeah it's what a shame they just get in the way um, <laughs> so yeah I, I guess uh, I imagine there's going to be uh, some humor going around with this uh, documentary?
0: Uh, there, there's going to be some humor. I mean, the whole documentary itself, uh, growing up as a child of the 80s horror genre, mm-hmm. uh, the the overall documentary just has a very 80s vibe from uh, from the cover art of the DVD, mm-hmm. which looks like a very 80s splatter horror uh, type art style, to having a horror hostess, and,
2: um, Oh, that's, know, cool. that's, just right. way
0: to that's that's that. That's that's such me? a
2: great idea. I think it's such a great idea. Um, do, do you okay. have pictures of your host already up on Facebook? I believe.
0: Uh, yeah. If you go to
2: facebook.com
0: yeah. forward slash Blood on the Reel. Right. Uh, we do um, have some pictures of Madelina Horn, who's right. our horror hostess, and she's from Canada.
2: Yeah. You are oh, good. You want to get that out there because you know again this, this is going to open up. Yeah, uh, you we're know, opening up worlds to other folks that don't even know these things exist. So.
0: Yeah, yeah Madelina uh, is well. She was actually in one of. Um, manda manuel's films Mm uh manna but she's also a world-renowned burlesque dancer Mm -hmm. she's also a fire breather uh you name it she's she's a gal of many talents
2: perfect hostess
0: yes
2: (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome all right that i didn't know you were going to take that approach i thought it was going to be like you uh maybe interviewing so you, you are taking like the elvira approach to the whole thing
0: uh yeah yeah kind of similar to the it's it's no, i not i know what you're saying with the elvira with having a hostess uh i definitely she's going to be her own personality per se but uh, yeah i do not want it to be me uh you don't hear any of the interviewers okay. during the documentary you know
2: it's just uh, i prefer that that's cool i like that
0: yeah it's just the filmmakers sitting down sharing their stories and uh, so you don't hear the, the questions the interview's is asking. Um, and I didn't want it to be me. You know, I wanted this to be, you know, as you may recall, ever since the inception of Dagger Vision, I've always said, uh, you know, we need to put egos aside and just get together and make art. So um, that's what I wanted to do. And, I, you know, I'm going to be in it as well, uh, mm-hmm. telling and sharing some of my stories. But I, I wanted it to, to be our story, uh ours meaning from the independent world because nobody's ever done a documentary like this first of all and there's so much frustration and hardship that goes into filmmaking Mm -hmm. um, that people have so much to get off of their chest that they've been holding in all these years because they don't really have much of an outlet, unless if somebody that's somebody like you who has them on their podcast or an interviewer. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of independent filmmakers don't even really get media coverage, so they don't have a chance to express themselves. We also, the one person who uh, I, I, I do want to mention, I'm, I'm actually, I was kind of impressed by this kid. Uh, we have, he's the youngest filmmaker of the documentary. Um, he started off his filmmaking career at the age of 14 and uh, made his first feature film at the age of 14. Oh, okay. And he's now only 17 years old. Uh, his name's Anthony Edward Curry. But uh, he did a film that he submitted to uh, the ABCs.
2: Really? Of death and, um, Wait, he's in it, or he just no? Oh, okay. He sent
0: he, he sent his submission. Okay. Uh, in and unfortunately his was not one of the stories that was selected. However, it should have been. It's called Memoirs, mm. and it is absolutely brilliant. I was like, damn, a seventeen-year-old kid made this movie. It's probably, like it's it's got to be better really, than some of the
2: the ones that made it in. I'll bet.
0: Pardon me. It's probably
2: better than some of the ones that got in. Oh,
0: without a doubt. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, doubt it it's I. You know, I mean, there could have been favoritism and politics involved like there is with film festivals mm-hmm. and everything else for films to get in, into that, you know, because his film was definitely worthy of being in there, better than a lot that were actually in, that made it into the film. But uh, yeah, we're having him a part of the documentary, which I, it, what I like about it is you have a filmmaker's standpoint from a completely different generation.
2: And he's 17 years old. Um, yeah, a 17-year-old that wrote something called memoirs. That, in itself, <laughs> takes some wisdom. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, to be able to make... A, first of all, for anybody to be able to pull off making a feature film is, is an amazing feat, yes. let alone to do one when you're 14 years old. Right. You know, um, but, yeah, so, you know, because you have people my age, uh, you know, kind of the Gen X generation mm-hmm. that are filmmakers, uh, but now you have this kid who's... Uh, you know, 17 years old, completely from a different generation, who's probably going to have a completely different outlook yep. on things than what we do. And then, you know, we have people like the Glenn Coburns and the David Blythes who have been making films since, you know, the 80s mm-hmm. that uh, have, that's an entirely different generation in its own as well. So, you know, we really get to see a, a broad Perspective of uh, insight and stories from a lot of different individuals.
2: Yeah, I like that. I, I do like that. I, it's it's funny. You know, you, you think about the the Columbine generation. What the hell were they so angry about? To me, real pure unadulterated anger comes after forty. Because then you've earned your right to be angry as all hell. You wonder where, the, where a 17 year old, yeah, you know, I remember being that way, but my anger back then, I, I don't know, I was mad because the latest Megadeth album wasn't hard enough, you know, or something stupid. Right. There was a bully at school I could not fight, or something, you know, something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing, yeah, I, that this kid, I can't wait to see what he does when he's 40. <laughs>
0: Well, that's that's exactly it. I mean, I think this kid's going to be one of those ones that pushes the envelope for the rest of us. Yeah, there you go. Uh, step up our game, like that 17 year olds rating and, and directing shit better than you know majority of you know older filmmakers out there. So it's like little gut check time. It's like,
2: cool that you gave him the chance. That's really really cool. Well, I
0: appreciate it. I wanted to give everybody, you know, I I had some people contact me and say, I don't know if you really want to hear my stories. This is, you know, I'm working on my first film right now. And I mean, because we do have a lot of big name people in this documentary. But also, I mean, let's face it and be fair, if we're sharing stories and the hardships of people, um, just because this is your first film that you've completed, it doesn't mean uh, you you of all people might have uh, some of the best stories to share Mm -hmm. about some of the hardships that you've encountered
2: and you never know what that individual's been through. I mean, you, yeah, the stories that people have. I was going to ask you this too. Uh, is this more a precautionary tale to young filmmakers or is it like a battle scar comparison?
0: Uh it, it's a combination of both. I mean, okay. it, uh, I'm also very glad that you brought that up because it, I with all the directors that we've spoke with so far, you know, I mean, it's great for all of us filmmakers to to kind of show our battle scars and talk about you know being like the old men at the bar sitting around like hey <laughs> yeah no I, I agree with that this happened to me uh it's a little bit of that but it's also um a little bit of an educational piece for upcoming filmmakers because we also the one thing that i wanted to stress with blood on the real is um, making it insightful and educational to the point that um maybe some of the future upcoming filmmakers don't make the same mistakes that we do i don't regret a damn thing you know and it made me who i am today but you know back then yeah i guess it's coming from you know the first generation of punk you know i was born in the early 70s and through my father and cousin i was listening to the first generation of punk while it was happening um you know and the purest form of
2: it Absolutely. Pardon Absolutely. The purest form of it. The purest
0: form of yeah. it, you know, and not being somebody in the late 80s going back and finding, you know, the mm-hmm. early 70s punk for the first time. Um, so I always kind of had that punk element style and that just uh, a DIY, DIY approach of let's just pick up a camera and do shit and it was, at times it was very haphazard you know, we mm-hmm. didn't know what we were doing we were just flying by the seat of our pants we were pissed off at Hollywood uh, for the bullshit that they're shoving down our throats and uh, you know, constant remakes and sequels so yes. we, you know, we just wanted to make something raw, which is what we did we definitely succeeded with that, we had a lot of success over the years doing it that way, mm-hmm. uh, but as you become more seasoned, as you get older and more veteran, uh, you realize that you kind of have to start doing things on a little bit more of a professional level Um, and that goes from anything from a business standpoint down to a a personal standpoint too the way you conduct and carry yourself is is, you know you know i would always be at the conventions drinking and partying and you know sometimes a little bit too much and (laughs) out of
2: control and (laughs) you you weren't alone there
0: (laughs) Yeah, right, you know, and now I look back on it, I'm like, am I getting old and boring? Because I'm lucky if I have two beers a month now, and I don't act, you know, like I've just, there, there's a lot of things that I've learned, and, and it's actually really funny, I was speaking to, uh, speaking to a good friend of mine a few months ago, who's a musician, I actually composed the music for the Chris Angel Show, and uh, he said to me, you know, Johnny, they call it the music business for a reason. Because it's a business, Mm -hmm. and uh, too too many people get caught up in the party aspect of it and uh, lose sight that it is the music business. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with filmmaking; it's a filmmaking business. So over the years, I learned a lot. And if I can give advice to any future filmmakers to maybe not fall into the same pitfalls that I did, or maybe just to make things easier for them, uh, then that's what I want this documentary, you know, to accomplish.
2: It's cool. I mean, that's awesome. I'm noticing like a lot of like what you just said to the guerrilla filmmaking technique. Um, I'm noticing that there are some mainstream folks that are stripping themselves down and doing things like that, and then there's a lot of newcomers getting a chance. Uh, Recently, like I just scoured through Netflix and look at a lot of the independent stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. There's one called Random Acts of Violence. Have you seen this yet? Um, Ashley Cahill was the director, female
0: I, I have seen not. the trailers for it. I had to stop and think for a second because, like yeah. you, I watch so much constantly. But, uh, yeah. no, I've seen the trailers for it. I have not seen the film.
2: Give it a shot. Uh, this is exactly what we were talking about, just going out and doing it. Although these people obviously had a budget. They're shooting in New York City. They had to get some. And there's um, yeah, there's, you know, some cameo appearances. But, I mean, you don't even know who it is when they're there. Um, the only mainstream actor I'd say that was in it predominantly was the guy from Detroit Rock City that played the older guy with the longer hair. He was like the bad influence for all the younger kids. Uh, okay. Stephen DiBello, I think his name was. He was the only one, but he's barely recognizable. And he, they kind of downplayed his character, which is kind of cool, and they made room for these other people. Very cool movie. Check it out. And it is exactly what it says it is. <laughs> Random mm-hmm. acts of violence. These, these people um, decide that they're going to go out And they're just going to kill people on camera uh, because they want to make New York City what it used to be. They're trying to get themselves on the map. They're trying to make it dirty again. And they're filming it. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's funny at the same time because they don't get the notoriety that they go after. But um, it's just, yeah, that guerrilla filmmaking that you're talking about. And I'm seeing a lot of it. I I had some movies I actually wanted to talk to you about if you saw any Mm -hmm. of them. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure you saw American Mary.
0: Actually, the funny thing about it is I am probably one of the worst people to talk films to.
2: <laughs> I, you, no, no, I knew that about you. Long ago, long ago, you said, I never get time to watch these. But this one isn't. This is more of a mainstream one, but uh, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I
0: have not seen it. Even the mainstream, like, I honestly, I was so, I, well, I was telling Blue the other day when I spoke with him from Shooting Creek, he's the guy behind How, House of Good and Evil, that that mm-hmm. was the first film that I had had a chance to sit down and watch in so long, and it was so enjoyable. Okay. I mean, I have tons of movies, and the thing about it is... In fact, it was kind of funny when Gore Noor interviewed me. They were like, So, what are some of the current filmmakers that you feel are really shaking things up in the industry? He
2: <laughs> didn't have an answer. And,
0: it, you know, and I told him, I was like, Honestly, I really couldn't tell you, man. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but when you're in your own world that you're. S- like, I don't have time to really step outside and do anything other than work on my film at well, the moment. So I'm good. missing so much that's going on around me that I'm out of touch. No, a lot with.
2: a lot of the greats do that, man. I had John Russo in here. He's, he doesn't watch zombie movies anymore because he doesn't want to be influenced by them. <laughs> Actually, he didn't watch any Well, you know what?
0: That's another thing, and that's a very, very valid point. I've often said that, especially you know, it's true. going back to the days when I was in the band. I wouldn't listen to anything people are like, that's insane. I'm like, well, no, because I mm, could no, inadvertently, not. you know, subconsciously be influenced by somebody else's style, and, yeah. you know, it's not what you want. No, that's a
2: very that's that's a, a very smart technique, I believe. Um, the reason I b- brought up American Mary is uh, this was written by uh, uh, written and directed by two females, and I was wondering mm-hmm. if you're seeing, I guess you're not seeing, <laughs> more female <laughs> directors and writers these days in these, I mean, really violent films. Um, American Mary is a good, but it's sort of, I don't want to say mainstream, it's on Netflix, sure, but it's enjoyable Catherine katherine uh, isabel is the lead character who i, I adore she's you know ginger snaps mm-hmm. um but yeah jen and sylvia soska were the directors and writers of the whole thing it's it amazing that these women are putting these things out there now and um it's i, I really appreciate that because guys have been getting the blame for all this crazy stuff for years oh yeah you
1: know, a
2: lot of it being sexist too but um you know hey when women want to take the wheel I, i'm like yeah go for it thank god you guys are doing it too now but so you—that's no, fantastic. Uh, so I have—I have a list of movies. Then you have to see.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's there's a whole list that keeps palling up and and piling up, and I will get to them eventually. But then again, maybe not, because I you know I'm still, I th- I don't know what I'm going to turn out to be when I'm really old, because <laughs> I am so trapped like behind times. Like when I do have time to sit down and watch a film, I revisit the greats that I love from you know the 70s and the 80s. Oh, that me too, man. I I just completely write off like you know, current uh, current art and film. And, uh, you know, I think well, I'm going to be that 80-year-old guy that's still living in, you know, 1970-something or 1980.
2: and Watching humanoids from the deep.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the list keeps building of things that I need to watch and things that I need to see. And people are like, well, why did you go back and watch something you've already watched ten times? You could have watched a new film. But I'm very fickle about the current state of filmmaking, mm-hmm. too. I don't like... The, the shaky cam is such a big trendy thing it has been for a while now and I can't stand that
2: um, oh then stare then you won't like random acts of violence because there is it's not that shaky but it's there I absolutely Yeah. yeah. I,
0: I mean I could deal with a little bit but I mean even going back to like the Cloverfield days when I went to see that in the theater I, you know, I was like if this doesn't stop in yeah, the next ten minutes, I'm that. probably going to have to leave, or else I'm going to vomit all over the back of the guy in front of me's head. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just don't really like a lot of the new style. I'm not really, I'm not really into torture films. Um, never have been, and I'm not really into shaky cam films. And those are all things that seem to be very popular at the moment. And I've always been more of a a thriller, mind-fuck type person, which is why I was always, you know, a Hitchcock fan or, you know, Rod Serling, so...
2: Nothing wrong with that. Actually, that's where I'm at, too. I just venture into these other realms because I like to see what else is out there. Um, it's good
0: that you do that, though. you are I, I need to be a little bit more open-minded and do that. Well, then My ch- girlfriend's always yelling at me for that.
2: Uh, yeah, but then, like you said, you don't want it to obscure what you're doing. Uh, a couple that, one that... If you want the, the mindfuck one, uh, Toad Road. Have you seen this or heard of it? I've heard of it. Well, Toad Road takes... There is a, a Toad Road in uh, somewhere in central PA. And it's a place where people would, well, basically walk through uh, this this trail, sometimes on drugs, sometimes not. Supposedly, there's the seven gates of hell. They actually go through these physical gates. Uh, okay, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking Toad about. Toad Road, yeah. That's, uh, Jason Banker was the director of that one. There's a weird twist to that one. It's you know where reality and fiction kind of come together. And I just want to say this. One of the actors or actresses died soon after the movie was released. By almost similar means that that they pass away in the film, Toad Road is one worth looking at.
0: You know what? I'm actually gonna grab my pen here and make a note of that because I'm familiar. I wasn't familiar with the Toad Road, but I was familiar with the Seven Gates of Hell at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. They say it starts at like I don't know. There's like a vine tree, it's really weird. heavily dense wooded area or something. It, mm-hmm. it. They say that you have if you travel it the whole way through. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it? It's like if you travel the you way through, you're hell. gonna die when you come
2: out. Yeah, it's something like either other that or you don't come out, um, or you don't come
0: out. It's it was yeah, re- yeah, I know what you mean. This so Toad Road, I, Check write it, I down.
2: would watch it, but you feel like you're on LSD while you're watching it. Like they do a good job to just uh, really get, take you in the mood. In the mood. It's mm-hmm. not a great movie. It just it's one of those mood films, though. You know, just like and you'll you'll kind of relate to some of the characters if you're like me and like you said, growing up when you did. Um, and it, they're central PA, uh, goth, punk rock kids. And just, and also I'd say grunge period, you know, whatever that you call them now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just a col- It's a culmination of things these days. Um, and I'm saying these days, uh, here I am, you're talking about getting old and I have, meanwhile, I have this bandage on my arm. I just had my, uh, <laughs> over 40 blood test for the second time. Let me, let, this has to be a lesson to everybody over 40, or if you're going to get your blood screening because you're old. Um, do not eat a um, half rack of ribs and drink Merlot the night before because your blood looks and, and come, the test comes out as if you, you drank barbecue sauce. I have coagulated barbecue sauce in my blood. I thought I was going <laughs> to die when they read it back to me. Like, um, you're, you're going to die. I, I was just like, what? So I ma- made them reschedule me because I was like, holy shit. I thought I was, I thought I was dying. I was, thought I, I was a core fucking right into the <laughs> diagnostic room. But, yeah, so, yeah, let that be a lesson. Don't eat ribs and drink Merlot the night before. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm still here, so. Anyway, so lessons learned. Um, there's another one I want you to write down um, called Contracted, directed by okay. Eric England. This was one that actually grossed me out, and it takes a lot. I know for you it takes a lot. And yeah. it has to do with contracting something other than the normal disease. And it's, um, and again, another female-based film. A lot of these are based around females. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another one is Alice Kills uh, by Jay Lee. And it's another one, you know, like the whole, oh, I can't even, like, uh, you don't even, like, these aren't likable characters. And they're just, you watch them. They're taking drugs, whatever. They're falling into this, this pit that they can't climb out of. And then they just, just, it becomes this picture of depravity like you've never seen before. Um, Alice Kills, that's another one. But all these leading ladies, it's, it's very interesting to me. And, I mean, scary. These, mm-hmm. these women are scary and good actresses. It's nice to see for changes instead of the normal just scream queen.
0: Yeah, it is. And, I, you know, it is refreshing and, and great to hear. And that's the one thing that I love about, um, you know, Amanda Manuel of Harbinger Pictures. She just did, uh, you know, the profane exhibit, and uh, it's screened over in uh, Brussels, and, you know, it's screening all over, and it's taken off really well. And she's, I, th- I think, honestly, if I had to say one of the, current filmmakers that's that's really raising the bar for people it would be her uh, and so to hear about these other female directors, you know I really like the fact that it goes back and it kind of slaps Siskel and Ebert in the face because honestly, yeah. I really hated those guys um, you know they were always bashing the horror genre and, oh yeah and coming right out and saying how it degraded women and you know it was a male oriented genre, and you know they had no respect for females and you know it was uh Obviously, it was it was never the case. You know, the female there was always triumphant at the end. Uh, you know, it showed a strong and powerful woman. But they completely they didn't grasp and comprehend that, and so they felt that we're you know, as the horror genre, we're, we're portraying women to be sex objects and weak and whatever. And uh, it's it, it's great to to have. You know, more female directors, you know, stepping mm-hmm. up within the genre and, and making these films that, like you said, will gross you out. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, it's just kind of a it's 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 kind of like a middle finger to, yeah. to the critics who have always bashed the genre for for being too testosterone driven and and, uh, you know, anti-female.
2: And not, not to mention a lot of these females are villains now. And I'll, I'll go to like uh, uh, what was that? Oh, dogs. Dogs. Oh. Oh god! How can I forget my, one of my favorite werewolf movies, um, Dog Soldiers? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where one of the females turns it around on them, and it, it's just like you're starting to get afraid of these girls instead of cheering them on for a change, which is nice. I'm going to take a break here before we wrap things up. Here, it's going to play uh, a little something by a band called Crossbreed. Um, no longer nice. a band, but they're really big in the early 2000s. These guys were really cool to me. And uh, well, let's uh, let's listen to a little. Uh, how about uh, let's go with Underlined. No <laughs> Was Crossbreed I believe yes they were from Florida uh, they I found them because I used to listen to Kitty in the early 2000s and Kitty said one of the best shows they ever went to was Crossbreed show basically because of their visual technique with all the neon lights and I mean they're metal industrial but they did it all live you know which is always a cool thing I think you like them a little bit Johnny what do you think
0: uh yeah I do actually I, I honestly wasn't familiar with them until you had mentioned that you might be playing them on today's show yeah And so I checked them out a little bit, and, and, you know, they sounded pretty damn good. Again, it's one of those things with being out of touch with everything. It's not just films, but, you know, I used to be somebody that used to know every single underground band and everything that was going on, to now I'm just so out of touch with everything, music, art, you name it.
2: Well, you got this Blood on the Real project going, and uh, that's a a task in itself. Uh, What I was going to ask you, I mean, a huge task, like, how... How has it been getting directors to talk or share footage or problems they maybe weren't so proud of
0: i I haven't had one person decline to be in the film any everybody that i've asked was more than eager and happy to be involved and i I thought that you know perhaps one of the problems with the with the documentary would be that um, because of time and because of budget that you know i can't get to every single filmmaker all over the world i can't travel to new zealand and then head up to canada you know and then to wherever uh to speak to these directors so a lot of it's being done remotely Mm -hmm. and leisurely Uh, in their own studios and or homes and they're you know kind enough that they they believed in the project enough that i would send them a list of bullet points uh things that i wanted them to touch upon perhaps how i wanted them to look or have a scene set up and uh they would you know put a put a camera on a tripod and shoot it themselves and then you know uh transfer the footage to me electronically or some are doing it by snow mill um so that that was really great i thought. I, I thought I would have a difficult time getting people to get the initiative to want to be able to tell their story. And, and, and also not only just telling their story, but I thought the problem would be, oh, well, now I have to film it myself and send it to you and all this. But everybody was more than happy to assist and, you know, share their stories no matter how difficult. I, Man, there are so many things I wished I could tell you right now that I just have to yeah, keep my cool. lips sealed because they'll be... in the documentary and we have to look forward to that but yeah it's it's been fantastic
2: that you know i just thought of something too we were talking about older films um i was in I do frequent the comic shops every now and then my buddy Mm -hmm. colin at pittsburgh comics um i I go visit him every now and then uh, me and john towers back in the day had our first signing there with our world zombie wrestling Mm -hmm. association comic and um i went in there there is a new clive barker nightbreed comic book and it's like yeah it's like what happened to them after when they all left and it's it, it, this one. The first issue revolves around Peloquin out in the woods and hunting these people that are being hunted. And I don't want to tell you too much, but because it's Peloquin, what a great issue! What a yeah, fantastic! Oh yeah, the new I, I got it. It's that comic book and the the, gra- the art is amazing. The story looks like it's equally as good. And the characters that survived. It takes place right right from that from that onset they don't really uh, tell you too much about the backstory which is cool it's it's like it's taking on its own storyline so yeah clive barker it has he's either writing it or just let it loose i'm not sure but hmm. yeah check out the new nightbreed comic book good stuff but yeah you don't do the comic book thing too much i know there's the same Hane comic though <laughs> there is the same yes there is <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, yeah there. Is. John Towers, good work, man. That, that was yeah, it's a I fantastic think, comic book. I love picture. that. That's I love that. that. That's a great, and that's something I, I guess is still available, right?
0: It is still available. Yeah, Sam Hain actually is available. The special fucking edition, mm-hmm. as we call it, uh, because for those of you that haven't seen the film, the film's twenty minutes long, twenty-one minutes long, and has uh, roughly eighty-one or eighty-two fucks crammed into 20 minutes so uh the the special edition does have a lot of outtakes and goodies and comes with the comic book and also uh comes in a vintage trick-or-treat bag
2: oh uh, that's awesome very cool yeah. uh, why don't you tell the folks how to get everything uh well your stuff right now
0: yeah uh right now we're currently updating our shop but you can still purchase sam Hay night feast uh the cossack zombies bootleg some t-shirts and some posters and what have you off of daggervisionfilms.com And there'll be a merchandise shop section there.
2: Cool. Um, I, I just have one more question for you mm-hmm. actually. Um, what would be the predominant issue that all these filmmakers seem to have in common during production? Is there something like a permission to shoot a location? Is there something that seems to be coming up more often than not?
0: Um, what I'm actually more surprised about how people got into filmmaking. Uh, I was Mm. Surprised to find out that I wasn't the only one that accidentally became a filmmaker. Cool. Uh, as far as um, procuring locations and permits and so forth, you know, the, most of the stories are, 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 are. As far as locations, a lot of the stories are pretty much the s- similar. In, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, what I was really surprised with in the documentaries the adversity because I was expecting a lot of the same answers, but everything's so diverse that. Um, I think that's what's going to truly make this documentary more fantastic than I'd even realized when I came up with the concept for it. Because I kind of thought, okay, we're all going to be touching base on kind of the same things. Mm -hmm. and I mean, that could be a little bit redundant. You run that risk. Um, So I was surprised that everybody had such different stories to share that it really brought a giant melting pot of things just from everywhere. It's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited.
2: Yeah, I could tell dude. I, I I'm looking forward to this and hearing more about it as we go. And uh I don't know when is our projected date for this, sometime in two thousand fifteen
0: or Well, it's gonna be sometime in two thousand and fifteen. Sam Hain Night Feast, our first film, came out in September of two thousand and fifteen. Mm-hmm. So it'll either be released just before then or in September. So maybe August or September. I might get a little impatient, depending, and release it a little sooner in 2015. Uh, I just don't want to rush it. That was a mistake yep. that we had often made in the past as young filmmakers. You get so excited about something that, you know, you, you want it out so quick. <laughs> and, of course, we all do. But then sometimes yes. a project will suffer for that. Uh, so I want to make sure that uh, everything's done properly and thoroughly. And, um, again, this is, you know, for the five-year anniversary, so it's it's not... As though we're, you know, under the gun to get it out immediately. So probably August or September of 2015.
2: Okay, what's your Twitter?
0: Oh, geez, I don't know. Do you, I have you, one. <laughs>
2: you don't know it. That, you're, it's not uncommon. Twitter?
0: I guess if you look up Dagger Vision or Johnny Daggers, I think I changed it. I think if you look up Johnny Daggers, you'll find me. you
2: will find you on Facebook, of course.
0: And Find me on Facebook. I this whole tweeter. I'm the, I'm the old guy, and my girlfriend uh, just said this to me yeah. the other day. I'm the old guy in the commercial that says hashtag in their hash browns because I don't get
2: I, I can't them. honestly, I'm not a fan, but you know what? It, it has been working. And speaking of suffering, this is where I actually have to plug my own stuff too. Um, yeah. I, I do have a book out there, uh, The Fall of Tomorrow, lots of monsters for you kids of the 70s and 80s, uh, monsters you have not seen before, and some that are vaguely familiar. Um, but, yeah, The Fall of Tomorrow, you can find it at FairlyDarkProductions.com or go to Amazon.com. Look at David J. Fairhead, The Fall of Tomorrow, or Burning Bulb Publishing, my boys over there. And I will be in Indianapolis for the Days of the Dead uh, Festival. Uh, that's June uh, 27th, uh, that weekend. And then, of course, prior to that, I'm going to be in Atlantic City at the Tropicana, June 14th, it's, uh, 13th, 14th, and 15th in Atlantic City, for uh, the Bizarre AC Two Festival, which I'm looking forward to, so yeah, hit me up if you like monsters, man. I'm I'm always at Fairly Dark on Twitter, and yeah, I occasionally get on there. <laughs> and there's the mouthful of the day, <laughs> but yeah, gotta plug yourself because nobody else is gonna do it for you. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. you don't run the risk
0: of any uh, sexually transmitted diseases by <laughs>
2: plugging yourself. We've actually talked about that before. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. As always, Johnny Daggers, thank you so much for coming on. And you know what? I, I can't talk horror with anybody else like you. I mean, even if you haven't seen some of these films, you understand what I'm talking about so uh check out some Always of these a pleasure. I, yeah man you, I, I want you to check out some of these though toad road alice kills uh, and, uh contracted contracted is the one that disturbed me the most in a weird way there's another good one with some major players in it i wasn't going to bring up but it's it's based on a true story called carla um with misha collins from supernatural and okay. laura for prepon, prepon however you say that from uh that 70s show they were really good because uh, they play killers and um, I was surprised to see it and it was based on a true story it's kind of gritty that's on Netflix nice. too but I to try to stay away from the mainstream ones but I'm kind of a sucker too so what can you do but thanks for coming on man we'll do it again and um, as always uh, keep it horror I guess man and thank you you too alright and take care thanks for listening folks
1: I have some jello, okay?
2: Okay, well, that
1: settles that. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices.
2: Trigast. Trigast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr.
1: My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniel, the with
2: a big on this show, we come to humanize
1: athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick.
2: Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We'll see you there. Peace and power electric gas electric gas